Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast, hosted by Angel Deer. In this podcast, we explore the mysteries of spirituality and consciousness. In each episode, we dive deep into the realms of human experiences, our rapidly changing world, and the unseen realms, tapping into the universal wisdom that connects us all. Whether you're a seasoned spiritual seeker, starting to awaken to the possibilities of a more expansive reality, or want support on your journey, this podcast is for you. Join me as we explore topics such as shamanism, spiritual transformation, holistic healing, the medicine path, energy healing, plant medicine, ancient wisdom, and more. Our guests are respected elders and experts in their fields, and we'll learn from their insights and experiences as we journey together on the path of spiritual growth. If you can, please consider supporting this podcast by joining our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the sanctuary and why. Once again, it is patreon.com slash the sanctuary and why. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome, welcome to the second of our speaker sessions for Inspiration Festival 4, Expansion, Breathing Beyond the Known. And I am delighted during this session to invite in my very dear friend, Angel Deer, who will be sharing with us many things of his journey, including preparing our cosmic aura field with breathwork and ancient wisdom. But I know our conversation, like many others that we have, will touch on all sorts of areas. Now, before we get into our conversation, I would like to invite all of you here and all of you watching on the recording, just to join us in a few breaths, to come into presence to this moment, wherever you are right now, before we begin. Closing your eyes. Just a few gentle breaths in and out, through the nose. Maybe open your eyes and connect to the screen, to me and Angel, maybe to the people who are with you right now. Thank you, everyone. Angel, it is such a pleasure to have you in our space again. I feel really, really honored to, to, to welcome you here. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Good to be here. I think how I would like to start off with is something that we have done before. Now, before when you come into the Inspiration Festival, you have offered us a blessing, offered us almost a prayer for our endeavor to light up the world, to bring breathwork to people who really need it, to, to bring some medicine for those who, well, everyone needs a little bit of medicine. I'm wondering if you feel able to maybe say a few words uh, of blessing for all of us who are connecting in this moment. Sure. Thank you, brother. Um, yeah, it's a way to just, you know, set our own sacred space with ourselves. Uh, the land we're sitting on. I see some beautiful greenery around some of you. Um, inviting and calling our ancestors, honoring our parents, our grandparents, those that came before us that allowed us to be here today, remembering that we are on this long chain of wisdom and healing, calling for the directions, the elements, the east, the west, the north and the south, the fire, the water, the air, the breath, and the earth, asking for their wisdom, 
calling in our prayer the land we are sitting on, the ancestors that are in that land, any spirits that is willing to give its light and its guidance today. And also inviting every part of us today, maybe as you pray or as you connect, just uh, allowing every part to be present, especially the tender part, the less loud part, the parts that wish to be seen and are not, wish to be heard and are not. So, so we give a stage to our full presence. We invite our full presence and we honor our full presence in every side of us, every aspect of us. So asking that we all speak and walk this life always in this level of consciousness, in this remembering, and in this uh, type of allyship or relationship with what's within and what's around. And so we feel supported, we feel uh, safe, and we feel kind in this moment. Aho, thank you, Angel. Amen. I feel your words. I feel your words. So we're going to have a conversation. Um, I will, of course, be leading and asking you some questions. But of course, this is a two-way conversation. If you wish to go somewhere else, if you wish to ask me anything, uh, or if you are, wish to put a question out to our participants here, then please, I want you to feel supported in doing that. I'll come on to the title of your talk in a little while, but I think I'd like to start off with my request from you to start with a blessing and your role now as a spiritual teacher and leader, uh, a person to to many many come to for nourishment and for learning. And I would like you to share a little bit about when and how you felt comfortable in this position of leadership of authority. I know if I asked most people, would you lead us in a blessing right now? Most people would, you know, run a mile from doing that. But because of who you are, your wisdom and your experience, you had no problem in stepping that role. I would love to hear how you became the person, the the the, the teacher and the leader that you are now. Mm. Thank you. Um, well, first, I don't know if I always see myself that way, or even if I call myself that way, because I think we're all, you know, on a, on a path of remembering, a path of reconnecting to the sacred, not just around us, but within us. And, you know, I like those prayers um, because I feel very often it's easy to forget easy to be entangled into the dramas of the world and our own drama, right? our own stories. And so I've experienced that's all, all what I can share. It's just my experience that when in my life I started to consciously call more often this part of myself, this part of the world, those aspects of the sacred, you know, everything is sacred in my tradition. There's nothing that is separated from creator, God, universe, however you want to call it. That somehow we, we do remember our true self more often. That we step out of our stories more often that we get a reflection that is more clear, like we polish the mirror, we clean the mirror. Um, and I guess to yeah answer a bit more precisely your question, I think for a long time, at least for me, you know, I was kind of hiding that 
because I was in the corporate world. I was in a very different type of environment. And I would go kind of pray, but hiding when I was praying. I would go connect to nature, but not really share with everyone what I experienced there. And at some point, I guess I started to share a little bit. To say, hey, I experienced this. This is my experience of the world. <clears throat> and started to connect to people that were interested uh, in that type of connection, in that type of life, really. Because for me, I don't see a spiritual life and a normal life or the work life and the spiritual life. For me, it's just life. And so, and I think the most important and it's hard because I often get a lot of students that come to learn all those ways of reconnecting and remembering. But even after some time, many years, and maybe I'm not that good a teacher, that's just the truth, but they still make the distinction, oh, there is my work and this is happening. And I didn't get a chance to pray this morning or to do my practice, but it's really a, a story. The lie, because everything is practice, right? Everything is life. Everything is sacred. So, at the foundation of it, we can't really separate it. This is a the mind that is coming in the way, and like to make distinction. I like to see this practice, or even what I did, you know, at the beginning of this session, more as a remembering. You know, I did it as much for myself that for you guys. It's like, okay, let's remember myself. Let's call what I want to bring here to the forefront, hoping that it's happening as I speak. Um, and then when we walk that way, our life, uh, we have more space for life, for all of life, right? That's, that's really what it is. You know, I think one of the mistakes is to think that when we do that, we somehow get some kind of, uh, preferred seat, like in the theater, right? You're going to get closer. You get the VIP seat with the crater. Or you get some kind of uh, shielding from, I don't know, illness or uh, being human. <laughs> uh, it doesn't give any of that. And that's the trick, right? It is it, not going to protect us from from illnesses, from losing people, from, from pain. But what it does is it gives us a different outlook on all of that, on all those aspects of life. And it gives a different container. I think it gives more space because it gives more heart. Um, you know, often people have students that have been working for so many years now, and then they, sometimes they get through a very big life problem as we call them i don't know they divorce they get ill their kids go crazy something happened right and they're like i don't understand you know I'm, i've been doing all my prayers and i've been practicing i'm giving so much to others i've aligned myself a lot more than i used to and yet this is still happening Yeah, welcome to life. Welcome to being human. And for me, ultimately, you know, that kind of prayer or this type of remembering, this is the way I want to walk my life. It's not that it's better compared to those who don't. It's not that it's shielding me. It's not that it's going to protect me. It's more like, well, I have two ways of walking this life. One where I ignore this fundamental truth that we are all connected and we are all sacred and there is consciousness in every aspect of life beyond just the human beings. And I want to have an experience of that and live in that type of connection, or I'd rather live in a life that is you know, not connected to that. And my choice is very clear, right? But it doesn't uh, potentially change the, the way uh, we are loved or cared for by those sacred things. And I think that's really important to see that it's really a deep personal question of meaning. And now we give meaning to our lives and our relations. 
more than uh, specialness or uniqueness uh, compared to others. You know, I think that avoids a lot of pitfall and also that for me, at least that opens me to a lot of compassion to the others, what we call the others. Maybe we'll go more into that because there's not really others out there. We're just one big family and, you know, families are complicated, right? So, <laughs> uh, and that's, I think that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to live together, you know, in, in, in a good way. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, sometime uh, fad, hard, heartbreaking. Sometimes maybe even it feels like there is no meaning in some experience of life, right? Or some things that are happening in the world. Um, and guess that's where we sit most often in this not knowing. But I always felt like the not knowing and the no meaning is often more soft than the knowing. Uh, you know, a lot of people know a lot of things in the world, but can be very disconnected, right, from themselves, from each other, from the natural world. Uh, it doesn't feel like the knowing, you know, we're in society of knowing, right, knowledge. We can't just go on Google and basically learn about anything. Uh, it's amazing, right, when you think of it. Our ancestors probably will be like, this is crazy, right? And now with AI and all those things, right? It's like we have access to more and more knowledge. Uh, and it seems to be the addiction that we have. But in fact, we're, what we're really looking for is, is meaning, is wisdom, not knowledge. We want more meaning. We want more wisdom. And we think we can get it from more knowledge. Um, Sadly, no, it's not going to happen that way. It doesn't. Because if not, we'll be really wise today as a civilization. Uh, so the prayer, you know, just to finish on that, the, the prayer invite us in this. You know, my teacher always says, say, when you pray, you're put back into your seat. You, you're put back into where you're supposed to be because you recognize that there are things that are much bigger, much more powerful, and impossible to understand that you are in relation to and that are beating your heart, that are literally holding your life in their hand and can decide at any moment to swipe you out. And kind of sitting back there as a student of light is like a child, right? It's like, ah, there's so much I don't know. And this is kind of exciting because there's a lot to learn. Uh, I feel it's a more exciting place to be than trying to know everything, thinking we can fix anything or control anything, which ultimately is a, a great illusion of our time. Thank you, Angel. Let's just, just stop here and take a breath. Please join with me, everyone, and feel all of Angel's words and wisdom and energy landing with us. Thank you, Angel. You gave us an incredible amount there. The, some of the things that really struck me was the idea that everything is holy, everything is spiritual everything has consciousness not just ourselves and i suddenly realized if you look at the world like that it changes everything it really makes a difference on how we interact with the world i loved your use of the word remembering or remembering about who we are and what we are doing here i especially loved your description of the choice that we make when we go on an internal journey it doesn't mean that we're going to get the vip seats doesn't mean we're going to be healed or get closer to the creator. It doesn't mean we are any more loved. And yet it is about us not keeping ourselves small and disconnected and closed off. It is about walking in a path where there is more possible. Uh, and, and those words really struck to me. 
I'm not sure if you actually answered my question about uh, how you uh, stepped into this role. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. That's absolutely fine. I actually feel the transmission that you are giving us is more important than than maybe just the biographical details, which uh, I know are interesting because you have led a really interesting and fascinating life um, on your journey to become uh, a teacher. Um, That is really interesting, but we don't have to go there today. I'm wondering, your your title that you gave us for this talk that you would like to to touch on was about repairing our cosmic auric field. Maybe you could let's. I think I would like to to move into that area. Maybe before we talk about healing or repairing or transforming or growing or or deepening that connection, perhaps you might like to share what you mean by our cosmic auric field and how that fits into a wider belief system um that 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 you you know is truly part of your your worldview does that sound Mm. like a good place to start sure yeah in in the tradition of andean cosmology like you will find in pretty much all spiritual traditions you know i've studied also advaita vedanta so the hindu lineage scriptures which is more a non-dualistic path but shamanism and and then cosmology is more dualistic um, kind of philosophy Um, there is this idea and you will find it probably in all the world religions that we are coming from a source and that this source is what manifested all of creation from the universe you know the macrocosm to the microcosm like literally everything is always like a leaf on a tree an emanation an expression of that source and what all the mystics all those people that study this manifestation they all say well this source is just love if you just sit for a second about that with that and look at the world or even look at yourself in the mirror or look at your closest relationships do you see that do you always feel that I don't. I don't always see it, right? Sometimes, like, really? That's what's behind that is love. And then, when you really sit a bit longer, you can always find it. That's my experience. Like, even someone that is screaming at you, or let's say, if it's easier for you, take just take an angry politician on a TV that you really don't like. So I let you pick and choose there. And you see mainly anger and maybe prejudice and maybe, you know, things that don't feel like love, definitely. But when you sit with that and you really look at what's happening, you can just see that's love calling. That's a desire for being seen, for being loved, for being heard, for connection connection so the more you study and i feel that the what we call the dark teachers you know the pain and the angry and all of that so when you look at the darkness it's like where you can create contrast and i think that's where you get the most teachings it's it's very easy to find love in your dog if you have a dog right it's pretty clear and like I say, you know, always to my students say, well, it's easy to love dogs, right? Hopefully, maybe you just like cats. It's, um, but the, the real exercise, the real game is to get to love what's unlovable. It's very hard. What maybe feels like horror or terror. How do we do that? 
well, we need to go deep into that exploration of what we are, what is really there. So if I come from that source that is just love, that is about connection, creation, you know, the first words in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, it starts by, and she created creation so she could create. She, by the way, so she, so it's a feminine plural, so she was an S in the Aramaic. And she's, oh, it's like a bunch of women, right? They created creation so they could create, right? So that's the first act of the creator. And the breath onto the calm seas and then the words, you know, the every text, every spiritual religions, in Buddhism, in Hinduism, you're going to find this kind of moments where somehow there was this thing that was full potential of everything. And it started created from that. And everything was came out of that belly, that womb of the universe. Right? So if you follow that line of thoughts, and you can disagree with it, by the way. You can think that maybe creation came differently or from different kind of source. Um, but that's not what people that study the source face. And it's, it's beyond religion, by the way, because you find it with native people and you find it with a great religion and you find it with all the spiritual traditions. So, you know, let's say you're a scholar of that. Uh, you will kind of probably see that well, it came from that love. And so I came from that love. So this is what I am. And this is all there is. Now I have an experience, a personal experience, probably of myself without even thinking of anyone else that, uh, this can be love, this back pain. This feeling in my heart right now, when I'm really upset or angry or triggered or shamed or afraid, is that love? Well, and I think, you know, breathwork is one of the beautiful medicine out there that we have that allows us to kind of go from the conscious experience, from the dual experience of the mind, the labeling into the non-dualistic ultimate truth and reality of what is really happening here. So the cosmic field, you can call it the soul, is what we are born with or from. That's where we're returning. I truly believe because not because anyone told me or it's written in a book, because that's been my experience that it is, it is just love. It's a very high vibration. It's cosmic. It's ancient. It comes from beyond the stars. It is the stars. That vibration is my ultimate potential. Because that is the vibration that is my source. So I'm like the leaf on the tree and recognizing that I'm not the leaves. I am an extension of the tree. I am the whole tree, even if I'm this wicked, funny leaf somewhere. So I always, I'm that extension, right? But somehow I came out of the womb. I live my life, I experience the world, and as I experience it, I'm confronted with things that don't feel like love. And what happened when that happened usually, well, I fall into that belief. I start to believe that story, that story of the world, that story of pain, that story of it can be love. I'm not just all love. And, you know, and when we look in the mirror, we don't see the same thing as when we look at our dog or the sunrise. 
around a baby, right? But that's all there is there, right? So what happens is really what interests me, you know, not only what happens, but how do we return to the original experience? Why do we have even to return there? You know, we can even ask the question, why are we doing this? Does it matter? Where does it go? Where does it lead? Um, also, where does it go if we don't do that? What happens if we don't do that? You know, my teacher often said that there's only two paths in life. He said there is love. And then the other path, all the other paths are going to be a search for the first path. But say you choose. But you can search. Oh. And you're going to search a lot in your life. But really what you're searching for is that return to that original soul, that cosmic field that was perfect. Perfect. Because that's the leaf of the tree. It was, it was born out perfect. It has all the potential, all the information, all the wisdom of your ancestors, all the way down to the Big Bang and the Big Bang before that. Because that's literally your ancestors, not just your grandparents. To go back and back and back and back on that family tree. You came from that belly, that cosmic belly. So, obviously, having an experience of this cosmic field, you know, here it's a nice discussion, hopefully, but we can, you know, kind of imagine and feel into it. But I think it's really important to. To have embodied experience of it, to have remembering experience of it, when we have that connection and we see it and we feel it, maybe for a glimpse of a second, and then we say, this is it. That's home. That feels really like home. Uh, it feels so different from my life. Maybe it feels so different from what I call home, but somehow it feels more true than anything else I've experienced in my life. And for me, that's what it is. And that's the quest. And that's life. That's the prayer. That's this re constant remembering. Constant remembering. Because we're always going to forget. You know? And that's why we're here. We're here to remember that. To return to that. That's where we're going anyway. At some point, we're going to be taken out and put back into it. So, you know, either we believe or not. We do the work or not. That's where we're all going. Thank you, Angel. That was a really deep exploration of, of of just the topic of your talk about our cosmic auric field, about how it is love, and that is the source that we are trying to get back to. I love that teaching. We are either on the path of love or we are going to be searching for it. I've never heard that before, but it sums up so perfectly, so perfectly for me, the meaning of why we are here. Let's move slightly into breathwork about how we can repair, how we can you know, integrate our, our cosmic aur auric field, our search for source, for love with breathwork. And I'm also interested in how breathwork or in the role or the position that breathwork plays in some of the lineal indigenous shamanic teachings that you have mm. that you have studied how does breath what how does breathwork repair our, our search and our, our, our source and our love and how does that show up in some of the traditional teachings that you have studied and learned and now embody yeah so let me just step back just to introduce that just for one little concept that I want to bring into that. So when we experience uh, trauma, pain, hurt, um, there is crack. That's from that tradition that says there is cracks that appears on this field. They get cracked. When it cracked, the experience of life change. We might feel not as safe. We might feel not as happy, not as joyful. We kind of lose some of that 
initial feeling, some of that truth. On a more deeper shamanic perspective, and it's not really the topic today, but it is the place where negative energies, entities, demons can enter through those cracks. And it's a, you know, it's a bigger topic, <clears throat> but you probably know people that had a very, very difficult childhood or experiences in their life, and then they're going to be really carrying a lot of pain and it's going to be reflected in the way they are right? because there are a lot of cracks and things entered. There are a lot of things that can crack our field, including abuse, um, drugs, alcohol, many, many things that can change that vibration, right? Even information, what we read about, what we listen to, violence, images, things that are far from that vibration are usually going to damage it. And then we, we become that, right? So we are this constellation uh, of consciousness. Some aspect of our consciousness are, I don't like to use the term pure because it sounds like the rest is impure, but are clean or original from the original matrix, the original instructions of the world. And some are things that we've learned or we've acquired. Sometime we didn't know. It's not like we went to school and we learned about it. Life just taught us. So in the Indian Cosmovision, the breath, which is the air element, the wind, is connected to the north in the medicine wheel. Just connected to the season of the winter, which is connected to the top of the mountain, what we call the Apus, the great mountain, the big ones, the ones that have snow on top, like the elders, white hair. So it's the eldership, it's the ancestry, it's the connection to all there is. Uh, that's what they say. If you use the wind element, you can pray into all of the cosmos. Now bring that in. If I use my breath in, I can connect to all the parts, all the elements of that cosmic field. So I'm going to connect to aspects of myself that are beautiful and healed and loved and that's going to feel really nice, right? We all have those experience in breath work that feel very orgasmic or very light or very beautiful. And then we are going to connect because that's the bridge into all there is. It's the bridge into all of creation, into aspect of the self or the collective that are in pain and in suffering. So that's the bridge medicine. That's the connector medicine. In fact, before praying, when we are with my teachers on a sacred site in those mountains in Peru, what we do is that we create a kintu, which is three coca leaves, sometimes four, sometimes five. So we put a few coca leaves together. And then we put them in front of our breath. And we breathe our prayer into the directions. We breathe it to the mountain. We breathe it to the waters. We breathe it to all aspects of our self and prayers that we want to call into manifestation. So that's the first thing we do before we do anything. Uh, we breathe into the direction. We breathe into the what's called the wakas, the great forces, the great mountain, the cosmos, the sky, the sun, the moon, right? And we don't always speak it first. We mainly breathe it. We, we So I feel like this is one of the way we can call that connection back and the way that indigenous people are still using it there is this breath in 
Native American traditions, some of the Lakotas people have studied with, you know, we ask for the wind to carry our prayers to the creator. We ask for the wind to come into our ears and our hearts so we can hear the prayers of all our relations. So that breath, that wind is this connection, right? To all my relation. And when I say that, I'm not meaning just the trees or the plants and the other human beings, but literally also my relation from the invisible realms, spirits, guides, ancestors, you know, cosmic forces, archangels, sacred geometry beings, like literally everything you want under the sun. So the, the breath is that first point of connection, right? And there are many, many practices around that wind and that breath from smudging and cleansing and using herbs and plants to carry that message. You know, cedar is one of them, but there is other plants that we use for messaging, sending the prayers, right? Cedar tree and cedar herbs and plants is one of the main ones that they say make the prayer perfect and make it receivable. <laughs> by creators so we always pray and put some cedar in the fire in order to have that prayer transmitted carried to the creator and that's you know kind of sounds maybe i don't know hopefully connects most of you or it can sound a little bit out there but you know there is also i think for me and i don't know if you know that but every time you take an email 50% of that oxygen is coming from the Amazon rainforest in Brazil. Half of the oxygen on the planet from those trees down there. So we can do even just a much more physical connection to that breath, right? And what it brings to us. And how it, it connects. Maybe we feel them, right? When we do that, if I, you can see that if I consciously call or remember, oh yeah, it's coming from those trees and I close my eyes and I inhale, I can maybe smile or feel them or see them or hear them. I can connect and if I am connected, I care. Why do I care if I'm connected? Because that's the secret in me that recognizes the secret in them. We see source. We see that cosmic field that's not just around me, around them. We are home together, right? It feels nice. It feels good. Thank you, Angel. That was a very powerful answer to that question and really how our breath does begin to reconnect, to repair, to make whole again. Are there other practices, like specific practices that you might use or recommend or share with us to help us connect to that source, that to resource with us? Uh, for ourselves well i think you know i think the first thing and that's probably the most important is to be able to recognize quickly that you are not in that vibration that this is not the original instruction the ego gets a lot in the way you know we want to be right we want to be heard and you know, we might keep going with whatever stories is going on in our mind in this moment. So we need to slow down a lot because we cannot catch the things when we go too fast. We won't even see it. We'll be all day just angry at something. 
But if we were to sit with it, or even if we were to see ourselves and watch ourselves, we'll be like, hey, you're, you're far. You're lost in the woods. You're searching. So I think it's really important to slow down and, you know, how do we do that in the world we're living in? Well, well, we need to cultivate it. We need to put it on our schedule. If we have a busy schedule, I always say, well, yeah, you have a busy schedule. Make it more busy with that kind of practice. You need to put it there. So it's mandatory. It's like, I don't know, making your taxes or, right? It's like there is a deadline, right? <laughs> so I have to do it. But it has to be as important if not more. So we need to remember ourselves. We need to put there somewhere those practices of remembering. And we need to really, really be like Indiana Jones of our consciousness, be like explorers and curious and adventurers into every aspect of our psyche, our ego, our minds. And really you know, I used to be, I, I was a veterinarian. I trained, you know, in medicine and surgery. And uh, one of my favorite practice was dissection, to dissect things, to open them. And, you know, maybe people are like, ooh. <laughs> and one of the reasons I love it is because the more you dissect, the more there is. And the more you open, the more there is. And it's like this infinite unraveling of details and magic and in fact the further you go in the more it becomes really crazy and like incomprehensible like probably if you go into the sky right you can look at the sky and then you take a telescope and then you take a micro and special telescope and you start seeing things that feels like god to me so we have to dissect dissect sorry and explore every aspect of our psyche especially the things that we think is who we are not the thing that, you know, oh, this, I don't like it, and I don't really want to be like that, but this is who I am. I believe that way. I think the world is that way. I think this is what's right and what's wrong. I think those people are on the wrong side of history, and I am on the right side. You know, really think that our core to our belief are the hardest to explore because we assume they are part of the original instructions. They are part of this cosmic field. If you start embodying enough of that part of the story that is not yours, that is in fact ultimately false and is going therefore to create pain in others or in you, you're basically bowing and praying to the crack in the field. You are acting from the crack. You are acting from that place. So I think it's really important to say, okay, this is what I've been doing so far. Is this me? Is this true? Is this love? And you're going to see, at least that's what I discovered for myself, and which is, you know, terrifying in most aspects of it, <laughs> but also eyes opening. That all the things that we think are who we are, are in fact not. We've learned them. Or they are so embodied across society, across this Western culture, that we think they are normal and they are okay when they're not. And so I think, you know, as you do that, it's really important to be very resourced. And I know in Breathwalk, we talk a lot about that, to have enough resource to go into those exploration, right? So to also cultivate joy and fun and goodness, because that's the source. The source is in pure gratitude. It's just gift. It's just creation. It only knows how to create. It doesn't know how to destroy. It doesn't know how to, you know, do anything else than love. So we need to cultivate those moments so we have enough space that say, okay, now I'm going to start really looking at this pattern. <laughs> but we need space for it, right? I might want to breathe with it. I might want to start praying to it. I might want to do a different altar, you know? So, so we have the space to, to explore that. And we need to be patient. 
which is something that I don't think we have a lot in our world because things go fast. We're not patient. They kind of go together, right? But we need to take it really slow. Because the source has its own speed. It has its own wisdom. And there's nothing you can do to make it come faster. It's literally like planting a seed and screaming at it to grow faster. Or coming every morning is like, there's no leaves yet. What's happening? There must be something wrong with the seed. That's what we do to ourselves, right? And there's something wrong. This can't heal. We forget that there are speeds of healing and transformation and those cracks that are often present for a very long time in our bodies are going to take as much time to heal that we took time to nurture them and develop them without knowing. Maybe it took 20 years to realize why well, it might take 20 years to get out of it. So we, we trusting, you know, that there is something much bigger, much more powerful that is in the, what we call the healing process. That is the direction of the source. That is where this cosmic field intend to go anyway. So the kind of more step back while being present and attentive to what's going on is going to help healing usually faster than intervening and trying to fix, which is when you think of it, not from source, from the crack, right? This attempt to heal constantly is not kind. Most often, it's not loving very often. So how can I yell pain by putting more pain and negativity on it? Wouldn't it be love that is needed? And love is kind, love is soft, love is slow. So is this my way of looking at it and approaching it? Right. I have no idea if I answered your question, brother. Angel, you did. There were some very <laughs> profound lessons you gave us there. First of all, to slow down. Because if we go at the current pace, then we are not open. Um, and that really reminded me of, a, of an old Buddhist meditation uh, koan or saying, meditate for an hour a day, unless you do not have enough time to meditate an hour a day, in which case meditate two hours a day. Mm. And then there was the advice to to be brave and to to explore and to go curious and to go to those spaces, especially about ourselves and especially into the meaning of ourselves and to question uh, everything. And then there was the advice of being patient because source, creativity, love has its own speed and we cannot rush it. And I love the metaphor of screaming at a seed to grow. <laughs> that really, uh, <laughs> I, I love that. Well, that's what we do, right? To ourselves and to each other, right? Someone is not healed or something's wrong. We just ask them to just somehow get to it, change, to be different. We don't trust uh, the way we, we, we feel like, you know, but that's this God complex we have. We're not in our place. Once we know we are in connection to something way more powerful, we're in relation to it because there's no other way. And that I know it's walking beside me at all time, I can really chill. Mm. But I need to have an experience of that, right? I need to, I need to feel that, to trust that. And it's hard. Mm. I think one more question for you uh, before we close our session today, because already we have been um, talking for almost an hour. And that is about hope. Many people right now, they are in very challenging situation things may feel a deep struggle and for many who look around in the world around them they see division and chaos and war and there is a lack of belief there is a lack there there is even terror and fear uh, mm. and everything that that leads to so i would like to ask you from from where you are as a student of source of love do you feel hope in the future do you feel bright about what is coming do you feel that everything is going to work out what do you find work out right <laughs> oh, <woo. laughs> for the earth for 
the cosmos is going to work out because it's working out uh, for our civilization, our way of life. I don't know. Is this working out? So, you know, when we think of hope, it's kind of a self-centered, human-centered emotion. We hope to be safe, right? Because we deserve it, I guess. We're special. Um, and indeed, you know, there is a terrifying and at least heartbreaking um, collapse of so many species, kens, our families, extended families. You know, there's not a day that passed where a species doesn't disappear that we'll never see again. And uh, there is tremendous amount of loss and therefore pain and grief, you know, in, in the system of the earth. So the fact that we are experiencing anxiety and fear and maybe hopelessness or terror or despair is good because it means we are feeling into something bigger than ourselves, bigger than maybe just the human kin. And, you know, there's also a lot of suffering in the human kin. I don't want to, you know, obviously saying that it's not there. But on the scale, you know, of number of species and number of individuals that are disappearing, you know, the the damage is way bigger on the plant kingdom and tree kingdom and then the animal kingdom. And then we come third, right? After that. So the hope, you know, there's I think I shared that before in one of our talks. It, it was a teaching from a, a beautiful Lakota elder that I received over 10 years ago, but I kind of struck with me. And it was during the Keystone Pipeline protest. You know, they were trying to get that pipeline built between Canada and the south of the US. And in South Dakota, there was this, this protest, you know, and Native people were there to protest for the rights of the future generation to have access to clean water. It was not against the pipeline. It says, well, if you do that, we're going to lose clean water. And that's a problem. And one of the main elders that was there came for a talk in New York and kind of shared about the struggles of the fight and how they were met with extreme violence. It was heartbreaking, really sad. People here putting their life on the line. You know, even someone said, why would you just put your life on the line? They said, well, I'm ready to die for my mother. This is our mother that's being attacked. Won't you put your life on the line for your mother? You know, there is a depth of connection there to the natural elements in Native people that I work with, it is very hard for us to embody to that level of connection. So imagine the level of pain and the level of emotional distress that they experience compared to even what we experience, right? And someone asked, say, do you have any hope that you're going to win this, that this pipeline is not going to be built? Do you have any hope? And he looked at the person and said, well, I don't know because we don't have the word hope in our Lakota language. It doesn't exist. I understand what you say because I speak English, but in my language, we don't have it because we have prayers and action. So we don't need hope. We have prayers and action, so we don't need hope. That stuck with me. So no hope, no hopelessness, doesn't really matter. This question doesn't need to be answered. What needs to be answered is prayers and action, which are one and the same too, right? Because your actions are your prayers manifested. 
you pray not just when we open the space today we pray when we utter words when we do any things when we take any step on the earth that's a prayer depends how we take the step what we say what we do so i say yeah reconnect to your prayers which I believe for us today in the world we are in is deeply experiencing that sacred bond connection we have with all there is and nurturing it. So yes, there is terrors and there is dramas and there is pains and there's all that in the world, but there is beauty. And there is so much of it. Right now it's a fall coming here in the North East, you know, but I was sitting yesterday looking at all my raspberries that are kind of going, hey because they're preparing for fall uh and then this beautiful hummingbird came and just was flying right in front of me for like five seconds and then just went away it was like there's beauty we need to see it we need to cultivate it because we will not want to save a world that looks ugly if there's just pain if we only see pain and that we're just going to give it up there's no point but if we see the beauty, if we connect to the sacred through our prayers, if we really feel it, that it's so precious, that it's worth saving, then I think we're going to engage into right action. And then action, so prayers and action. But you see, they are kind of the same, right? It's like stepping into action. And what me, you, what each and every one of us can do every day to participate in the healing of that cosmic field of that love. Where is it cracked in myself? How do I repair it? How do I participate in the repairing or participate in the cracks? There's a lot of work to be done there. So hope, hopelessness, and honestly, I don't know because I don't know where it's going. You know? I don't know what's going to happen. What I know is how I want to live my life in the meantime. If this is a time of collapse, if this is a time of great pain in this world for so many human beings and so many kids beyond that, I know when I wake up in the morning what matters. I know what I need to do. And I need to really focus on my prayer and my actions in that moment. But yeah, I'm going to be heartbroken. But that's okay. That's okay. You know? What a powerful way to end our time together. In my language, there is no such thing as hope. There is prayer and there is action. And really, action is prayer manifested. And I may be heartbroken but I will still live my life. And I will die for my mother. Mm. Those words have really stuck with me today, Angel. Thank you for sharing your passion and your wisdom and your heart. I feel that so strongly, brother. It is a privilege to spend time with you and to feel that coming out of your heart. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Are there any final words that you would like to say before we close? No, I think ultimately that we are afraid of softening. Why don't we choose law, right? It's like, for me, it's always like, why do we not choose it? It's just so nice feeling. <laughs> it's such a nicer feeling it's like you know where I want to punish ourselves right why do we feel that we have to be so hard with ourselves and each other why do we want to experience this disconnection and self-connection what are we so afraid to feel in ourselves if I soften really soft I let down all the armies and the berries what is terrified inside of me to be there without this protection 
that's the question at least that's for me right because i I'm, I'm like you right it's like i i do this and so it's like what is there in the back that i haven't seen yet that is telling me i need all those armors and swords in front of me so it's safe that's the big question in each of us i believe because once we found that and once we know we can soften once we understand it just need love it doesn't really need that kind of armors then i think we can find our way back home should we take a breath today right now and maybe just feel if we can let go of that armor a little bit and just maybe catch a glimpse of the way back home Thank you, Ansha. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, everyone, today, listening. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary Podcast. We deeply value your support. Please consider sharing this podcast with others and joining our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the sanctuary and why. Once again, it is patreon.com slash the sanctuary and why. At The Sanctuary, we believe that spirituality is a personal journey that takes many forms, and we honor and respect all paths to awakening and the rise of consciousness. Our mission is to provide a platform for open and honest conversations about spirituality and to inspire and empower our listeners to live their most authentic lives in good relation to each other's, the living, and invisible worlds. I look forward to connecting with you again here or at our events, retreats, and online gatherings. You can find all our offerings at thesanctuaryheal.com. Once again, it is thesanctuaryheal.com.